Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. Her personal hell is a world without Keanu Reeves movies, Whitney Nelson. (laughs) And his preferred game when challenging death is also Battleship, Evan Wells. (laughs) You're you're damn right. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. I enjoyed that sequence. It was fun. Yeah, that was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was looking at some press stuff, whatever, after watching this while I was making notes and whatever, and consistently over and over again, everything that I saw was everyone being super pumped that the guy who played Death was going to be back. (laughs) And some of that I actually saw before I even watched the movie, and I didn't know why everyone was so hyped that the guy who played Death was going to be back. And then after watching it, I was like, oh, because he was the best part of the movie. He totally was. That's (laughs) William Sadler. That's why everyone's so excited. Yeah, the way they played him is very exciting that he's coming back. Also... This movie really makes you, you know, there wasn't a third one right away, maybe for a reason. So uh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Right up at the top, we still have our contest here where you review the podcast, give us a written review on iTunes, screenshot it, send us a screenshot to coolbreezepod at gmail.com, and you're entered. And we have, it's, uh, it's Tuesday, so we have Wednesday, Thursday, you have two days, essentially, two full days to make this happen, to get entered. So it might be worthwhile. It's a cool uh, John Wick poster. Get on it, everybody. And it counts if you've already reviewed us. Yes. But if you've already reviewed us, then share it on social media or something. Yeah, too. I keep forgetting about that. So <laughs> if you've reviewed, yeah. do that. I d- we, we don't want to leave out the hardcore fans who are the first to review. Right. We also want to get new people to <laughs> review. So. Pander, pander, pander. Mm-hmm. If if you're mean Always. And, if you're mean in your review, your odds of winning go down drastically. <laughs> <laughs> right. There is a sliding scale. There's a sliding everybody scale. Told, yeah. Yeah, everybody told me that I should have prompted for the full five stars, like Whitney had very much championed in the last episode. <laughs> you know, I'm more I'm a little bit more lenient, but yeah, yeah. we have You gotta ask for what you want, Andrew, or you're That's never true. gonna get right. it. I'm just That's yeah, true. four is you know, I'm fine with that. That's all right, five. I'm not. Give me five. Right. She demands mm. sacrifice. <laughs> I do. Okay. Let's get into this. We are talking Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Once they made history. I must see to it that you die. Now, they are history. Bill and Ted are dead. Welcome to hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights. Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken. Making new friends. Excuse us, dude. But is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Best two out of three. What? The synopsis of this film, I pulled the IMDb one because the Rotten Tomatoes one was about a paragraph long. Simply Mm -hmm. put, a tyrant from the future creates evil android doubles of Bill and Ted and sends them back to eliminate the originals. Sounds fun. Mm -hmm. Sounds real fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
It was directed by Peter Hewitt and co-stars Alex Winter, William Sadler, Joss Ackland, Pam Greer, and... Pam Greer was a shock. Right. I I forgot about Pam Greer. And uh, George Carlin reprising his role as Rufus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, we have critical and audience reception for this movie. I'm going to have Whitney take this one away because I, I, I love your insights into where you think the numbers actually <laughs> fall versus your expectations. Um, I think this is pretty pretty accurate. Just to sort of put, put it into perspective in people's minds, the original Bill and Ted was 78% critical and 75% audience. Score. We have this time for the Bogus Journey, we have 54% critical score and 56% audience score. So we dropped by more than 20% for each of them, which I think is, yeah. is pretty, pretty accurate. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's still some things to like about this one. I think there's, I, I don't know, it, on my personal scale, it's probably below 50, but it was okay. So maybe, maybe right around 50 is pretty fair. So I, I feel like that falls pretty much in line with. And and the audience being slightly higher than the critics, also, I totally buy. So uh, I think that's that's pretty much right in line with what what I was anticipating, and also with how I felt. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a precipitous drop off for sure. Yes, it is. It it falls into the almost the 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 sequel stigma. Though, <laughs> oh yeah, it's just not going to be as good, and so that's it's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you figure they turn this one around. This was two years after the first one. So to write, shoot, and put out a movie in two years, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more time simmering, we would have had something that uh, at least met the original. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have yeah. no idea. Uh, in terms of the critic and user quotes, I pulled two, and I think they're pretty fair. Uh, Carrie Ricky, Philly Inquirer. I said I would always pull Inquirer quotes. I do. Uh, <laughs> Once Bill and Ted get out of hell, though, their film loses it in more ways than one. And I feel like that really, truly is the turning point yeah. of the film. For me, at least yeah. it was. Yep. Yep. And then we had user Matt G, who gave it four and a half stars. And he said, a surreal existential comedy sequel that expands on the fun of the first with bolder and trippier ideas and images, all while staying away from any sort of pomp or annoyance. And kind of, kind of. The first, maybe the first half of that. I was like, okay, it certainly expands. Not only do they travel time, now they travel through uh, death, really. Life and death. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) expands quite a bit. Other realms. Yeah, there are other realms than these. Yeah. So, uh, Whitney, this is your, you're going to be running us through this one. Why Mm -hmm. don't you kick us off if this movie worked for you? It really did not. And I, I, maybe this was a, a product of me going in with high hopes because so far out of all the movies we've seen, Bill and Ted is my favorite. Um, So I think I maybe had put a little bit too much pressure on what I thought this one was going to be like. Um, I don't think that it worked very well. I think that they they used a lot of the tropes and the language and the whatever that they set up in the first one. And that's fine because you built a world. I'm okay with you using it. Um, but I feel like the heart was missing. 
And I feel like that is the number one key thing that made that movie such a standout to me was how just charming and good natured it was. And there was so little in the way of like jokes that were mean about people and and just in general, they just had such good vibes for each other and for everybody else. And it was it was it just had so much heart to it. Yeah. This one I don't feel like had any heart to it at all. I felt like it was pretty pretty empty. Like it was fun and it was silly and it was very bright and colorful and wacky, but it it, it was just there was no reason to tell this story. No no one like learned anything. No <laughs> one grew. No one, you know, like I just didn't really get it's not bad, but it also had nothing really driving it for me at all. I think some of the stuff that they did was interesting i think we've already kind of mentioned it the um the death scene when they're you know in the when death comes to get them and everything that he's involved in i loved i love 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 that part was great i thought the hell stuff was interesting there's actually a couple of thought pieces out there that different people have written about why bill and ted is actually a horror movie um (laughs) i didn't read any of them I did wow. not read any of them because I had already devoted too much time to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, I think, by the time that I was done. So I did not read those. But if you want to, <laughs> you can type in Bogus Journey horror movie and you will come up with multiple different takes on why it's actually a horror movie. Fun. I thought some of the practical effects that they did were really good um, for the time, considering how poor the effects were in the first one, the couple that they used and and. I, I don't know, practical effects like the dummy heads when when the robots had their heads off and they were oh, yeah. clearly dummy heads yeah. were clearly yeah. dummy heads. But when they actually cut two human heads like in the trash can or on the floor, they did a super, super, super good job of building those sets and doing that practical yeah. stuff yep. that it looked really good. Um, so there was definitely some stuff that you could tell, but uh, stuff doesn't age when it's practical. Like um, Station at the end. Ugh. Station I, I hated. <laughs> But also, Station looked the same as it did when the movie came out. Right. And if you do that CGI, that stuff doesn't last. We are Mm -hmm. always going to get, even when you think this is the most technologically advanced we could possibly get with CGI, it's still going to look dated in three years. Mm. So I think that that was actually one of the things that really worked for it as far as the technical aspects go, is almost all of it was practical effects. Nearly everything that Mm. they did was practical. And so it, while it was definitely campier than the first and like wackier than the first, I don't feel like it lost anything or didn't hold up because of the effects. I think it was just, there was no moral reason for this story to happen. And so it, that being said, there's just nothing to drive it. There's nothing that ties all the pieces together. It just kind of like moves from one thing to the other, like. I feel like the movie is pulling the people along rather than the story pushing the people along, if that makes any sense. I feel mm. like things just happen in front of you. And there's not like a reason why you jump from this thing to this thing to this thing. It's just like we have to tell the story and get it out there. So this is what's next. I don't know. It just like it, there was no through line for me. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's how I felt about it. Okay. Evan? Do you uh do you want to pick up probably right where Whitney left off? I assume <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it it didn't really work. Um, at the very beginning, it was like, oh, here's these doubles. They're obviously not going to succeed. You know, it was just kind of there's 
it was very predictable for me. Mm-hmm. And so I lost interest pretty early on because of that. I don't know why it was so easy to figure out per se, but it was just like all right in front of you at the very start. And then I didn't really see any twists. I know they tried to inject twists with like, are they going to end up in hell? You know, like where, where are they? Oh yes, they are in hell. Or, you know, injecting twists and them going to heaven and, and just that kind of stuff, which by the way, I felt like they tried to tiptoe into like CGI when they depicted like the entry to heaven, (laughs) that giant, like hallway thing mm-hmm. and that was that was pretty funny it looked like hand drawn it was yeah. pretty pretty intense from a cgi <laughs> but anyway um the it was like some of that and it it really just got like out of control andrew the thing you said before we it, before we started like cartoon i think just perfectly captures this it's it's just it's over the top with like how silly it was and and that that was lost on me i guess yeah, I I sense uh, I sense pain in your voice, Andrew. Uh, like you you don't want to admit it. Here, no, I here's something. Okay, <laughs> um, all right. So between <laughs> between the first movie and the second movie, the really the only thing that changed was the director, right? Mm-hmm. So the writers uh, remained the same, and the, everybody from the cast stayed on, right? Mm-hmm. So. You would think that it could only uh, go up, really. Because the the hard part for me, it seems, is like we have to convincingly build a world and you need to believe and and love these characters, right? Mm-hmm. And they did that, right? I think we were all real high on the first film and most mm-hmm. people were. So for this to have like fumbled the ball so badly it it actually gives me a little bit of pause about the third movie because again you have everyone coming back and it's the same writing duo mm-hmm. and, and the director has changed so mm-hmm. it could go like either way like that's how much i i was super uh excited to revisit this <laughs> and like evan said uh, I basically, I, I now know why child Andrew loved it because it's, uh, it's a cartoon, right? This is not a, it's just real people, but the, the premise of this is some Looney Tunes shit, really. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. let's bring in like a Ninja Turtles <laughs> character that didn't quite make the cut. And <laughs> Rufus is going to be disguised as a woman. And it's like... There's a battle, even like the practical, there's like a battle of the bands. Okay, who's the opening band? They're like, how about it's Primus? You're like, you're telling me that Wild Stallions <laughs> is going to win a battle versus Primus? Come on. <laughs> so there's just so much that you had to get beyond in this movie. I still had fun. I still laughed. I loved, like we have mentioned, Whitney at least, anything that had to do with William Sadler as death. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was some yeah. of the funniest shit in this movie. Yep. Absolutely. Then there were some other real slapsticky moments, like when they get banished to hell and they're falling. I, yeah. I laughed as hard as that, like today when I watched it, as I did when I was like 10. So, yeah. yeah. That's. I like that kind of stuff. And there were little moments, like little diamonds in the rough throughout this movie that were pretty, pretty great. And then overall, ah, man, what a bummer. 
It really is like 20% less good than the, uh, <laughs> than the first one. Mm-hmm. Technically, they did some really cool stuff. Uh, camera-wise, I think. Like, the treatment they do when they're dead, and they... I love that, that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And subtle, I, I mean, uh, not subtle in the way, like, oh, it's a, it's a little different, but, like, it was the right amount, I think. It wasn't yes. too over the top. And a couple other neat camera moves, like, when they're racing to the, the van thing, it's got the... I love this shot where a, a van is, like, or a vehicle's coming down, and the camera just pans... Total to, or tilts and it's totally upside down, like in one quick yep. shot. Great stuff. Uh, and then everything else, not so much. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's fine. It's good. I'm a little bummed. <laughs> it's all right though. <laughs> it's all right. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be okay. No, we're gonna get through this. Um, yeah. So yeah, do we have any other high level uh, high level thoughts about this movie, this bogus journey? I think it feels it's probably it's like a bogus journey for all of us, really, not just Bill and Ted, right? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bogus for me too. I think. <laughs> um, no, I mean nothing. Nothing is coming to mind as far as high level notes off the top of my head. Uh, I think we've covered covered everything. I got a weird like Groot vibe from Station. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's like. <laughs> The only thing he said was station. Mm-hmm. It feels like a real, that felt like a studio note for whatever reason to me. Like they're like station and they're like, you know what's big? Like really, that's definitely based on the same animatronics as the the turtles or something like short, oh, short yeah, circuit. Definitely. You think about like what else was popular yep. at that time. And the, the, they're no, like, it literally looks like they pulled it right out of David Bowie Labyrinth. Yes, and Labyrinth. Then yeah. it into this mm. movie. So... That's like yep. a state yeah. leftover. <laughs> right. They're like, change it a little bit. Make it have the biggest <laughs> ass in history. It's its whole back is its ass. <laughs> and then it comes together and makes a bigger version of itself. Great. All right. <laughs> Good. I have some I have some other notes when we get to them, but yeah, this is great. Yeah. So uh oh boy. This will pet me up. Here here it comes. Bob Quiz asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! You got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. And now that last line makes a lot of sense now that we've mm-hmm. seen this. Evan, mm-hmm. yeah. Whitney. I had a moment. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I know. I, I know did that. too. I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> I heard it. You two were oh, you're about to throw down in fisticuffs without me in the in the group <laughs> chat earlier. We're ready. Oh my goodness. We were just discussing the rules of our game here and how they've been a little bit amorphous, but it's fine. We're gonna uh, lock it in. Evan mm. Evan's Evan's been doing some heckling. <laughs> We got, mm. uh, we'll lay it out here uh, mm-hmm. for the listening audience because we yes. all know what we're doing. This mm-hmm. is our little quiz show. The host, in this case, Whitney, the person yes. who'll be walking us through the movie, is going to mm-hmm. ask each of us three questions with the potential mm-hmm. for a bonus question. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to get a question wrong, Evan has the opportunity to steal it. It's that easy. We're mm-hmm. tallying up points for some unknown reason, and at the end of it, someone's going to win a laser disc. Does that about yeah. sum it up? That does yes. sum it up. <laughs> and and one little addendum is that if Evan keeps sassing me about messing up the game the first time that I did this, I will turn him into paste. <laughs> <laughs> so, Deal. Yeah. Deal. 
Yeah. So, Shots fired. <laughs> I'm ready. Let me see the soundboard here. Maybe I can pull some. Uh, I need a pace sound. Right. I don't have any. Yeah, what's the, what's the... Glass break. No, that's, no, not, that's it. not That's not very pasty. This will be heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. All right. Who is going first? Oh, boy. Uh, dealer's choice, isn't it? I guess so, yeah. At this point, sure. You just assign the question to the person. Because it'll... Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, Andrew. Oh, boy. We'll start with you. Okay, here we go. What is the name of the episode of Star Trek Bill and Ted are watching right before they <laughs> get kidnapped by the robot? God, oh God damn it. Is this a multiple choice? It is. One, Arena. Two, The Savage Curtain. Three, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Let me just say something really quickly. There are going to be people that are going to literally hate me after what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an episode of that show before. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, fun, fun fact, though, this episode of Star Trek that they were watching was shot at the same rocks where Bill and Ted get thrown off the cliff. That's what yeah. I thought, because it looked yeah. identical. It's like, that's yeah, crazy. It is. Yep. Okay. Same, same exact rock. I'm just going to go with, I don't even remember the names. I'm just going to go with C. Damn it. Can you say them again? Yes. Arena. The Savage Curtain. Let that be your last battlefield. So in the actual show, he's talking about all these gemstones that he finds, but he doesn't have a use for them. Because uh, he seems to be sequestered. Um, I'm going to go with Savage Curtain. God damn it. All right. Well, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> Evan, one of us, Evan, one of us needs to get a point. Come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> in the episode, together. just for all of the people who are freaking out that neither of you know anything about original Star Trek, in the episode, <laughs> he's trapped on a planet with no weapons and he has to fight something that's much bigger than him. And he can't uh, fight it, which is why he talks about needing a phaser or even a good, what did you say? Uh, uh, like a good club, club, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, he has to figure out how to use the, the, all the mineral deposits on the planet to essentially make like gunpowder. Fun. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Real David and Goliath situation. Yeah. All right. Mm. All right. Evan. Yep. How many times is the word dude said in this movie? Oh, come on. <laughs> How's I that feel, Ev? Yeah. Your options are 75, 113, or 91. <laughs> this non-sequential uh, ordering of numbers. That's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's got to be the highest one. 113. So many. I'm going uh, 91. Damn it. And someone has made a super cut of it if you want to go count all of the oh, wow. dudes yourself. That's awesome. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes. It'll be great. Oh, I got a point. Oh, my God. Sucks. Pull it ahead of heaven. Here we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Andrew. Orion Pictures initially did not want the characters to die and go to hell. What did they want Bill and Ted to do instead? <laughs> Go into the past and get all of the founding fathers to agree on signing the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Kidnap fictional characters from great literature. Or go into the future and stop a madman from blowing up the universe. Oh, 
Okay. Great options. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say. Hmm. We've already gone to the past and explored that, so I'm gonna go ahead and say the one stop the madman from blowing up the universe. Damn it, Evan. Uh oh. <laughs> um, literature strikes me as like not something that they would want a large audience to like enjoy. <laughs> Rude. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> think about target market here. I'm going to go with Founding Fathers and probably be wrong. <laughs> I need to stop justifying my answers. They wanted Bill and Ted to somehow go into books and, and get characters from great literature so that they would pass their English test. Go oh. into books. Oh, Interesting. Man. Okay. Yeah. All right. That'd be pretty they cool, wanted, They wanted to get, like, you know, Sherlock Holmes. For example. Oh, mm. I thought you meant like travel into the book, but you actually meant like enjoy books. What? No, they they want to they wanted <laughs> them to go into the books book. and get Sherlock yeah. Holmes and bring him back the same way that they did into the past. <laughs> okay, got it. Travel right. time and dimensions also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. <sighs> is it your question or is it Evans? Question. I don't know. It's Evan's question. It's Evan's question. Evan's nice question. try, Andrew. <laughs> Production on this movie was delayed because Keanu was working on another movie set at the same time. Was that movie A. Providence, B. Point Break, C. My Own Private Idaho? Uh, I don't know what that's for. Um, <laughs> it's gotta be. I'm gonna say Point Break. Of course it is. (laughs) Okay. It's between uh, Providence and uh, my own private Idaho, right? Mm -hmm. Um, God damn it. No one's ever seen Providence, so it might not even (laughs) exist. Um, Trickery. I'm going to go my own private Idaho. Oh, come on. All right. Sucks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. Andrew. Okay. Your turn. The incantation the incantation that Missy uses in the séance scene. Oh my god. Is something if you play it in reverse. Whoa. Get like out of my face. So, their incantation spells something backwards. Is it A. Bill and Ted will save the world? B, Ed and Chris will rule the world. Or C, beware of dead men and bad robots. This might be a little Easter egg just for them. I'm going to go Ed and Chris, uh, the Ed and Chris one. Ed and Chris will rule the world. They're the writers writers of the the film. And also, both of them are in the seance scene. Get out. The the guy in the glasses and the guy in the white t-shirt are... Ed and Chris. Okay, because yeah. the guy in the glasses was the worst part of that scene. Like, what was <laughs> yeah, he, he even was. doing? He was like, look, know. so creepy the whole time. All right. Yep. But yeah, if you if you play that backwards, what they uh, and I actually noticed it because I had closed captioning on and the, where the apostrophes were, I was like, these are words, not just like made up whatever. <laughs> and then I googled it, and as sure enough, I was right. Nice. Um. So, yeah, Ed and Chris will rule the world is correct. Now, Evan. All right. Yeah. Who wrote the words 
to the Reaper rap at the end. <laughs> it was not the writer. Okay. Was it Peter Hewitt, the director, William Sadler, who played the Reaper, or Alex Winter, who played Bill as Preston Esquire? God. You know it. It's um, in your heart. You know this. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I have faith in you. Go. Oh, God, it's a shot in the dark. I'm going to say Bill. No, Evan! It was clearly William Sadler. Yeah! That is correct. That was a guess! I don't know! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, whoever wants to buzz in first Sick. can answer this. Oh, here we go. This is for... Two extra bonus points. I'm jumping this. To, I am jumping. You have to name the four games that they played against death in the order that they played them. Oh. Oh, shit. Um. Hold on, I'm thinking. Uh. Oh, my God. What is... I'm missing one. I'm missing one, too! <laughs> oh, I got it. Okay, it's, um, Battleship, uh... Clue, uh, the I damn it, Super Bowl, whatever the football one's called, and Twister. All right, well, I I don't know if that counts because you got all of them correct, but you did not get the name of the the football one. So I will say you get those points unless Andrew can say what the name of that game was. He can steal it away from you just by knowing the name of one game. Whoa, great. Otherwise, Evan gets the point. Buzzer ball. I have no idea. It was called Electric Football is literally oh, the name of the game. Oh, that was so straightforward. <laughs> oh, God. All right. How many points is points. that? points. How many Two was points. that? 25. 25? <laughs> Easy. Oh, okay. Two points. <laughs> Evan, I am, I am pleased as punch to announce <laughs> that if you add our points, we are now tied with Whitney. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Worth it. What a uh, team. Just for Crawling the, up behind me. Just for the recap, Whitney has 15, Evan with six, and now I have nine. So there you go. Pop yes. quiz asshole. Another successful round of America's Game. So not related, but a fun mm -hmm. fact. For anyone that drinks dogfish 60 minute yes they they use that electric football game to constantly add hops to the beer when they were first developing it <laughs> that's fun wow that's kind of cool <laughs> to just like shake the hops off in a steady stream yeah in for an hour you know that's why yeah. it's the 60 minute that's awesome that's so funny <laughs> all right good to know when I'm drinking another one. Also, one one thing that I almost added in here but did not was because I ran out of things to, you know, I had too many questions already. Uh, was one of the questions was going to be what city are they filming in this summer for Bill and Ted Face the Music? Ooh. If hmm. either of you had known that from any of the press that came out, I was not paying attention. Nah, New Orleans. Nar wow. Orleans. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's. Doubles as San Dimas? What? Probably does not double as San Dimas. <laughs> I would yeah. assume. They're going somewhere else. I understand. That's okay. Music's good. Gumbo. Great. I'm sure, in. yeah. <laughs> Some of the best food in the country. Yeah. It's all centrally located there, too. It's nuts. All right. That was amazing. I feel great. Four points. Nice. Good. Oh, my gosh. I feel a lot better. Great. Now I'm ready... To bring it back down 
Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about Let's this movie. Let's bring it all the way back down. <laughs> Whitney is going to be leading the discussion, so let's go on this bogus journey together. Let's do it. All right. So we start the film with spooky music and spooky lighting and also some lightning. Mm. And a man says that it is time. They have mm. reached the second crucial turning point in the, their destiny. To prevent Bill and Ted's message from reaching millions, this spooky group of people is determined to stop Bill and Ted. We cut to an outdoor shot of some utopian future society that looks a lot more like Whoville or something than it did the yes. first time. I, I have to say, I always appreciate how movies try to depict clothing in the future. Yeah, but like the first time we see people from the future, they're just wearing like silver lame robes with high collars and they're sitting in a cave. Right. And it's all right. very neutral and like silver, spacey, gray, rock, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And now all of a sudden it's very bright and like very blue and the statues are like at a quirky kilter. And then they're wearing <laughs> these, um, I don't know, it looks like hyper color. It, the, the outfits kind of look like the, the Oompa Loompas in the original Charlie and the Chapa oh, factory. Yeah. But all of the outfits have different elements to them and they're all in hyper color. Just incredibly massive shoes all around. Yes. Just, they were all yes. wearing giant boots. Foam boots. Yeah. <laughs> so the statue that I talked about having a wacky angle and whatever, that's of Bill and Ted and it's in the square and they all sit down at desks. Um, and at first I thought they were all going to work, but then as soon as they booted up, it, it became readily apparent that they were all students. And Rufus mm. appears in the middle of the room with a phone booth. Uh, and tells the students that today they're going to be taught by Thomas Edison, Johann Sebastian Bach, James Martin of Faith No More, <laughs> and then a made-up person from the future who invented a made-up thing. Right. And she looked dope. I really wish she had said something. She, her whole outfit and aura was, I was into that, but she didn't say anything. That was unfortunate, yeah. Because then there's an explosion, and some of those spooky group guys from the beginning those baddies come in with all in black with giant gun things and a weird television and an egg for some reason and then the bad guy comes in from the very first shot we find out that he used to be rufus's teacher but he now can according to a lot of exposition no longer stand to work within the system and he reveals his secret weapons which are killer robots that are skinned to look like Bill and Ted, and they are going to kill Bill and Ted and take over their lives and ruin their lives and then give a bad speech at the Battle of the Bands so they don't change the universe. Just mm -hmm. a fun fact about that guy. Mm -hmm. uh, his name, just like, just like you had mentioned, Whitney, the writers, they love themselves, which is fine. Yeah. You should. That guy's name is D. Nomalos, which is uh, Ed Solomon backwards, yep. writer of the movie. So yep. <laughs> Nice. So the robots hijack the time travel phone booth that Rufus was using to bring people from history to lecture. And then the Bill and Ted bots get in. They're going away. They're going to go get Bill and Ted. And Rufus uses an electric guitar like a grappling hook and holds on to the cord <laughs> coming out of the electric guitar to be dragged through time where the robots go. So we cut to Bill and Ted. We find out it's five years later. And while they now can actually play their instruments, they're not very good at them. And they're still with the girls that they were given as a gift. And the girls play keyboard and drums in the band Wild Stallions. Bill and Ted are terrible at music still. They're better than they were five years ago, but not by much. And the woman running the Battle of the Bands, who's played by freaking Pam Greer, 
like we mentioned, uh, does not want to put them on the roster because they're terrible. But she agrees to let them have the last spot on the lineup at midnight. But they have to get better between now and then. So we find out that they want to win the Battle of the Band so that they can use the prize money and the record deal and whatever to propose to the ladies because there's no way they can raise families on the money they make selling pretzels and cheese. We found out that Bill's stepmother, Missy, has divorced his father and married Ted's father. Yeah. Which is wild. So, so Very. bizarre. I, why did they even bring that up? Like, So unnecessary. And again, yeah. one of those things that I felt like kind of took away the, the heart because Missy, like all the weird Oedipal stuff with Missy and whatever aside, she seemed to genuinely enjoy Bill's father. Right. Obviously, Bill's father was into it because he was dating a teenager or married to a teenager or whatever. But like she seemed to be into it, too. So now she's just this weird like homewrecker type person. I don't get it. But it's one of those things that I feel like happened many times in this movie that take the heart out of it. Like the jokes didn't have that warmth that they did the first time. Um, yeah. And this is a reused kind of a reused premise. And right. It's a joke that they used, and the joke was at least nice before because they seemed to be into the relationship. Like, she yes. seemed to be into it, too. Now, when she's just, like, tromping through single dads' lives and marrying them and then leaving again, I, it's just like, it, it. it's a joke we've already seen, and then they pulled it worse. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, that's not what I meant when I wanted an encore. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we... Uh, Ted has been threatened with military school again if they should fail the Battle of the Bands, which I don't understand because they are out of school. It's five years later. They're looking <laughs> to get married. I don't know how his dad can threaten him with military school. It's not too late. That's It's not too late. <laughs> the guy from the military school looks at all four of them, Bill and Ted and their two babes, and says, all of you, it's not too late for any of you to go to military school. And I don't understand because they're now all in their early to mid 20s. So whatever. Yeah. He's a creepy uh, guy. Too late. Creepy yeah. guy. Uh, Bill and Ted take the babes out into like the garden of this party or whatever and read a letter that is very similar, but full of different animals, essentially. <laughs> right. This scene was funny. This I, was, liked I did this like one. this scene, too. I thought this was the only scene that had that sort of heart from the original one because yeah. they're so on the same wavelength that they wrote separate letters, but the letters are almost exactly identical, except for they go on different rants about sea creatures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one's on the land <laughs> and then yeah. the one's in the ocean. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's great. It was very cute and it very much showed their like friendship and how on the same wavelength they are. And it was cute for the way that they were asking the girls. But anyway, they propose to the girls and say, we want to marry you if we win the Battle of the Bands and can take care of you. We promised you a great life and that everything was going to be, you know, we were going to change the world. And that hasn't happened yet, but we still want to marry you. So if we win the Battle of the Bands and we can support you, will you marry us? And the girls say yes. Right around that time, uh, Evil Bill and Evil Ted arrive and call regular Bill and regular Ted pretending to be the girls who just drove away after the proposal thing. And then they pretend to be the girls. They say that they want to leave the band and they want to break up because the guys are losers and they're going to the desert to be alone. The robots then essentially break in. I don't understand again, like when we're talking about, I don't understand why this needed to be in there. They didn't need to call. 
and do that girl voice thing because then they basically break in and kidnap Bill and Ted anyway, like the robots do. They didn't need, I don't know if they were trying to lead them to the desert or not, but they didn't wait to see if Bill and Ted would go to the desert to try and find their girls. They just are like, we're taking them to the desert now. We're breaking in. Right. Hmm. It was unnecessary. Yes. They break in and they kidnap Bill and Ted, uh, throwing them over the side of the cliff at Vasquez Rocks, but not before they joke about people being fags again, which I, of course, loved. Another reused joke. And it it worked even worse this time even somehow. Even worse than it did I last time. I don't know yep. how it was any... It was crazy. So yeah, bad. Wasn't wasn't expecting it either. No, I did not. Not appreciate it. Yeah. So the robots go to replace Bill and Ted after having killed them by throwing them off the cliff. They steal a Porsche and go back to town. Bill and Ted's souls are met by death who says that they may challenge him in a game for their souls, but that nobody has ever won. They're like, we got to get out of here. We can't fight death in a game. We have to save the babe. So they give death, death a Melvin, which is <laughs> a word I've never heard for a wedgie. Yeah, same. Yeah. I don't know if that's a regional thing or a time thing or whatever. I've never heard of a wedgie being called the Melvin. It's only ever been a wedgie, but they give death a wedgie and then they run away. I did. Uh, I I did appreciate their attention to making them look like ghosts. So, yes, you know they they made their clothing like when they went kind of grayscale and they they yeah. paled up their faces. I think that was a really nice way of showing that they were still dead, but also differentiating between which you know which Bill and Ted you're seeing. Yeah. Is it evil robots or is it people who are dead? Right. I think they did a really great job of that. I think that's actually one of the most technically like Andrew was saying, when they were in this scene where they're in the desert and they like stand up out of their bodies and death comes and says, you can, you know, play me, but you have to stay in the afterlife forever if you lose and no one's ever won. They do. It's almost like um, when you shoot at daytime and then treat it to be night, but they didn't go all the way with it. So there's a very unusual like cast to the film and the light that's yeah. very interesting. And that and the between that and the makeup and costuming they did to show they were dead, that was by far one of the the best technical aspects of the whole movie. Yeah, definitely yeah. held up. I was like, oh, wow, this is this still looks good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. So they give death a wedgie. And then we cut to the robots who are in Bill and Ted's apartment. And they're sort of uh, sexually assaulting the princesses. Mm. Um, not quite because they are chaste ladies, as we found out earlier in the movie. They're chaste ladies. Um, <laughs> So they get up and they're like, hell no. And then the guys, the robots are like, I don't, they're just jerks and they throw food and do whatever. And they're just kind of generally being fart faces. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And they're they're working to ruin the duo's fame, um, which they don't have fame yet. And that was one of the things that I felt like they did weird in this movie where ruining their lives. Sure. But all they really did to ruin their lives was piss off the girls who throw their plastic rings that look like they were one in an arcade at them and like now the wedding's off that's really the only thing they did to ruin their lives but they talk a lot about ruining their lives but they didn't you don't see any family members you don't see anything public you don't see them losing their jobs or anything like that anyway so dead bill and ted are trying to get to their families to alert their families that a they are dead and b the girls are in danger <laughs> But their um, ethereal forms prove difficult. Yep. Uh, 
no one sees them at first. And then they go to the police station to try to possess Ted's dad, which <laughs> Ted, pos- Ted possesses his dad. And the actor who plays his dad does a very, very good job of doing the Keanu Reeves thing. I was going to say, when he stood up, I was like, that yeah. was Keanu Reeves. That's incredible. The, the physicality, the physicality was way better than the actual, like, yeah, the voice, yeah. words that he was saying. The voice and the words and the intonation didn't sell it for me. But physically, he had Keanu down. Like, his <laughs> mannerisms, the way he held his head, the way that he moved, like, it was an incredible impression of of Keanu. And then uh, Bill possesses some other random cop. Uh, and they try to convince all the cops of what's going on. That doesn't work, obviously, because they're like, hey, dude, there's some babes that are going to die. And so all the cops are like, what? And the, so they go try to find uh, Missy. They can't find Missy. I don't know why they're specifically looking for her. I don't remember why they're specifically looking for her. But they find Missy at home at a seance, which apparently she, this is not the first time that she's done it. She does these regularly. They've never worked before, but Ted's like, it will work this time because we're here now. They actually end up getting cast down into hell uh, (laughs) because Missy gets scared by them and bans them to hell. Yep. In hell, they are tormented by Satan, uh, made to face their own fears, including the strangest string of taunts I have ever heard by the guy who runs the military academy in the scene where they are both together at the military academy and being made to do infinite push-ups. Stupid, pathetic, craven little beatings. Big, bully, bullet, bugger billies. You're not strong. You're silky boys. Silk comes from the butts of Chinese worms. Eat you up. We gotta get out of here. Warm, toasty little butter cakes you are. It's not something you would get from a drill instructor by any means. You're like, oh, this is too weird and <laughs> like off the wall. Like at one point, I think he calls them something like wet pecan puffs or something <laughs> like that. And it's like, what even is that? Hey, it's very popular <laughs> cereal back then, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, so they try to escape this one. They escape this one hell of them being in the military academy and, and being taunted while they do infinite push-ups. And they decide to split up so that it's not their mutual fears, it's individual fears, because somehow that's going to make it better. Uh, It did not make it better. Um, They have their own individual fears about terrifying Easter Bunny and uh, a terrifying grandmother, who the grandmother was also played by Bill. Bill's grandmother was played by Bill. I thought that might have been him. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to IMDb, he is credited as Bill slash Bill's grandmother. Nice. Okay. So they go into these weird own fears, whatever. They realize their only escape is to take Death's offer. So Death immediately appears as soon as they say that. He's like, bing, you rang. And they're taken to Death's chambers. And uh, the Grim Reaper gives them the option of what game to play. Bill and Ted uh select modern games like battleship clue and twister like we've talked about (laughs) they easily beat death every time you must play me again what um best two out of three no way yes way 
Best three out of five. I don't believe this guy. Best of seven? Damn right! He eventually admits defeat and unwillingly sort of becomes their servant because... Those are the rules. They beat him. Those are the rules. <laughs> yeah, because he lost, yeah. All, all he him. said at the beginning about the rules was that they would go, get to go. Not That's it, that yeah. death was now following them around doing their bidding, but whatever. Anyway. With with death, and this is just a small thing, but like I think they nailed the look of that character too, like the robes yeah. and the giant sickle and the way he played it. I was like, this guy, real good. So so that is a that is a very specific homage to. Oh really? Um, now I don't remember what movie it is. Yeah, it's a it's a Bergman film, maybe. Ooh. I don't remember. It's an older like black and white like. A, a very auteur he has death in in one of his films and it's like a very esoteric thing and whatever and that was specifically the way that they did his makeup and everything and even the way they shot some of the playing games against death yeah is there's a guy in this movie that plays chess with death and the death looks the same and the shots are the same oh, and they wow. did a whole thing where it's a very specific nice. homage like on purpose yeah i just can't remember what movie it's from oh that's awesome yeah so that's part of why he looks the way he does. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I like the uh, Blue Oyster Cult reference, too, at the end of the sequence. <laughs> cool! This way. Ted. What? Don't fear the Reaper. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Bill and Ted are talking, because now he's like, I'll take you where you want to go. And they're like, how are we going to beat these robots? Like, if we go back now, we're just going to get killed again by these same robots because we're not smarter than them and we're not stronger than them. So right. they decide that they need to find the smartest person in the universe to help them build robots that are strong enough and smart enough to counter the evil guy's robots. So Death takes the two to heaven where they mug some people <laughs> and steal their clothes which is, again, a thing that I really took offense to, not in the whatever. But, like, that's not a thing that I feel like Bill and Ted would have done in the first one. And, uh, mm. like, there's other ways to sneak into heaven other than beating people up for their clothes, which just didn't feel like it fit at all with the the spirit of the original. Particularly when you're literally standing at the pearly gates. Right. They probably could have just walked right in, right? Yeah. Didn't need to do the clothing. She was not stopping them. They did not need to right. do that. Like, no one shows up to heaven that's not supposed to be there. So, like, no one was going to question them. That woman looked like she was ready to help usher them in wherever they needed to go. So, <laughs> I just, uh, that was one of those jokes that I feel like, again, didn't play because it wasn't in the spirit of the original. Um, but anyway, so they mug people for their clothes to sneak in. They quote song lyrics there. There's like a question. He's like, what's the purpose of life? And then they quote song lyrics. What is the meaning of life? Every rose has its thorn, just like every night has its dawn. Just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. (laughs) 
Every rose has a thorn. And then they're like, hey, God, we need your help. Where's the smartest person in the universe? And they are directed to two aliens named Station who are playing charades, (laughs) who readily offers to help Bill and Ted. And Death brings all of them back to the mortal world where it's the night of Battle of the Bands. And Bill and Ted take Station to a hardware store. And then the two little stations combine themselves into one big station, which Andrew mentioned already. (laughs) Um, And then the guys race in their van back to the concert while in the back of the van, Station constructs good robots. Mm Mm-hmm. They get there just as the evil robots take the stage. They arrive. Station's robots easily defeat the evil ones. They punch their heads off and then punch their bodies into pieces. <laughs> it wasn't even a it, that wasn't even a battle at all. It was literally no. they look at each other and they're like, it looks like we met our match, and they let them their heads get punched off. Yep. Yeah, yep. they, they literally just say, like, oh, these are clearly stronger robots than we are. Goodbye, everybody. It's been swell. Catch and you then, later, Bill and, and Ted. And then they get punched to pieces. <laughs> so, um, that's how I want to die. Yeah. And then Denomalos, the bad guy, appears in the time booth, ready to defeat Bill and Ted himself. And I don't understand why this happens, but he overrides the broadcasting equipment to send the video footage of the Battle of the Bands, which was being shown on like Channel 12 or whatever. Now (laughs) he's hijacked all of the TV screens in the world to broadcast this moment to everyone in the world so that they see the defeat of Bill and Ted, which no one knows who Bill and Ted are. They don't care about these two bros being defeated. Yep. Um, but that's going to help hit leverage him into being the leader of the world and change the fate of the universe instead of Bill and Ted changing the fate of the universe. So he broadcasts the events to every single person on the whole planet. They're trying to figure out how to defeat this guy, and then they do a whole time travel conversation like they did at the end of Bill and Ted, Excellent Adventure, where they say, we can beat him, go back in time, and arrange events so that he gets trapped in the present. but then Denomalos is like well I have the phone booth too I know how this works too I can have a gun and a key to the cage and then they're like no wait there's something that you forgot only the winners of this battle who escape get to go back in time so the gun is a fake and we planted the key we won and basically, I think just by saying they won, they willed it into existence. I'm not really... That was not very good time <laughs> travel for me. Yeah, and pr- pretty rude. Like, we we made you think that you had won, but we knew all along that you weren't going to. Right. It's, it's kind of cruel. They, they are the masters of that phone booth. Don't even try to out-time... Bill and Ted, you will not. But there's there's zero battle, so they're, right, it all like happens. how they won to get to the future or to the past or to the whatever to adjust things so that they trap him in a cage and whatever. None of that ever happens, so that's not possible. So anyway, it's like a whole thing. <laughs> I don't get it. They, I mean, they played fast and loose with time travel in the first one, but at least it made sense to me what they sure. were saying and doing, with the exception of the the. Rufus never introduces himself. How did they know Rufus's name part? Yeah. Everything yeah. everything lined up. This did not line up at all. I felt like they weren't even trying. 
But they wanted to add in the wibbly-wobbly timey-wimey because they have a time booth and they didn't do much time travel stuff in this one. It was all about being dead and then not being dead. So they were like, we got to throw some in here at the end. But they win by basically saying that they win. Perfect. And then he's arrested. Denomalos, the evil guy, is arrested by Ted's father, but not before Death has a chance to give him a Melvin. So Death... (laughs) Pays the wedgie forward and then is uh, locked up by Ted's father in handcuffs. And then Mrs. Wardrow, who runs the Battle of the Bands, unzips herself to reveal that she's been disguised as Rufus this whole time and urges them to play on stage. And they're Mm. like, cool, great. And they go up on stage and they reunite with their fiancés. And then they realize that they are all still terrible musicians. And the four use the time booth. So they then return immediately to the auditorium uh, following what they say is an intense 16 months of guitar training plus a two-week honeymoon. Right. Uh, so they have babies now. <laughs> they wasted no time. <laughs> nope. They have babies and they have very weird facial hair and they begin to perform a rock ballad joined by Death Station and the Good Robots. And the worldwide broadcast that was set by the evil guy is still going. And so Wild Stallion's music is played across the globe, creating harmony. Um, The music that is played over all of this does not seem to be the music they are actually playing. Because it is a Kiss song and they don't lip sync. Like, there's there's lyrics going. But no one's singing. No on one's the stage. even near a microphone. <laughs> and none of their none of their movements like match up with any of the music that's happening in the song. So I don't know what they're trying to do there. If they're trying to say that the Kiss song was the song that they played that brought the world peace and harmony, or if they just put a Kiss song over the end montage to not have to write the best song in the world or whatever that brings peace to the globe. And then over the credits, it's shown through newspaper articles that the band, along with Death, go through the many perks of fame (laughs) and are a worldwide sensation before they eventually take their act to Mars. Yes. And that is where it ends, with them going to Mars with their act. My favorite one of those newspaper clippings was rumors of Wild Stallions breakup Dow drops 600 points. Yes. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Like the very first newspaper you see says that they play in the Midwest and crops are up 30%. <laughs> yes. It's all wildly improbable. Yes. And so that's what happens. Um, we don't know. You know, obviously we are now all on the same page. The entire world is on the same page as far as what's going to happen in three. Other than the fact that we know death will be there again. Yes. And uh, we know that they left off going to Mars. We know that Keanu Reeves and um, Alex Winter are much, much older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see. We know that George Carlin is dead, which is sad. Yes. There will be no Rufus. But everyone else is signed on. But we also know that it's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yeah. Again, I feel worried about it now after having seen this. I was so hopeful just a few episodes ago. I was like, oh, yes, a third Bill and Ted. Uh, So I don't know if, you know, is it easy? Is it just like slipping on an old shoe becoming Bill again? I don't know. 
Hopefully yeah. the chemistry is still there. I think they're still good friends, but yeah. Yeah, I have like a dumb and dumberer fear. Uh, that would be, that's like worst case scenario right there. <laughs> it's like you got everybody back together and oh my God, we should have left them <laughs> apart. Like, why did we do this? So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, we'll, we'll that's, see. that's the movie. That's the movie. Uh, Andrew, do you ultimately recommend this film? Oh my uh -oh. God. If you had asked me, I don't know, it's like 22 when... years ago, <laughs> it would have been yes. But I think I am going to have to pass on recommending this movie. If you want to watch Bill and Ted, wow. watch the first one. I yep. think wow. that's the one to yep. watch. Yep. I agree. I feel the same way. I do not think that this is worth anybody's time. I I don't think it was terrible. Like I'm I, I don't think it was a bad movie. I think like if you're sick on the couch with a fever and you need something to watch and it's on, it's not like you're going to be upset that you spent your hour and a half watching this, but also yeah. If you are actively seeking out something to watch and you have not seen this, don't actively seek this out. There's better stuff to spend your time on. For sure. Yeah. 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 Not recommending. Oh, okay. Across the board. You know what? It's like, it's, it's maybe, uh, like a movie that plays in the background of a loud party, <laughs> but that's, that's it. Someone yells across, it's station! <laughs> yeah, there's no audio. It's just kind of like ridiculous on-screen things happening. Yeah. I think like we all mentioned, there are some really funny parts. And I hope they bring the funny parts of this movie and marry it with like the overall feeling you get watching that first one. Right? Yeah. And if they are somehow able to pull that off, because it's, it's in there. Like the writers have done both. They're somehow able to bring those two things together for the third one. It might be like a perfect film. I don't know, mm -hmm. but yeah. Has there ever been an example of a of a sequel coming out like thirty years later, essentially that is good? I they couldn't even do it with Arrested Development, and that was like uh, you know five years, whatever that was. I don't know. That's a good question. They're about to do it again with Men in Black. That's true. Although. That one they, looks dope. I think they went the right direction with that. <laughs> They're like, let's get two of the hottest people in the world and yeah. just let them yeah. do what they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so into the casting <laughs> of Men in Black 3. And even though that little alien looks terrible, I'm like, it's Kumail. It's going to be good. I, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, going to yeah. be my favorite character easily. <laughs> so... Yeah, we'll Men see. in Black might be might be the example there. Um, yeah, it's just really, really difficult. I think you know, think about movies from this specific time period, and then they're still trying to make them. The one that pops into my head right now is Terminator, and I'm like, just let mm -hmm. this go, mm -hmm. please stop, mm -hmm. stop it. You've yeah. made them retroactively worse by trying to do more. Another or, time or travel like, movie, um, or Rocky. Rocky did it. Creed was fantastic. Yeah. Right. Actually, Rocky Balboa was not a terrible movie. I had feels during that one also, but Creed was legitimately a great film. I don't know. I know this is a controversial thing, but I liked the lady remake of Ghostbusters too. Oh, I love that. Mm. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Get, I'll get behind that. Sure. Yeah. Well, are remakes in a different camp though versus like sequels? Or is the lady Ghostbuster a sequel? Or is no, it like a it's, a, it's, a, it's a reboot, but it is the same kind of 
time frame between the first one and the second one and how do you update it and how do you not like it's different characters but same sort of universe and so like i feel like the fact that i enjoyed the ghostbusters is a good sign that at least at the very least even if it's not great i will like the new bill and ted yeah it can yeah. be done i guess we've proven with a couple good examples here that it yeah. can, it's been done and then it's been butchered so <laughs> it, I, yeah. it could still really go either way but it could really go anyway I don't know. I've been we've been following Ed Solomon, the writer on Twitter, and he seems super positive on it. So, you know, if if the people behind the scenes are jazzed, that that feels like a good sign. So, yeah. Yeah. And this seems yeah. like a movie that was almost impossible to get made. Well, that's my thing. My thing is if Keanu Reeves said yes, that's the biggest sign of them all. Yeah. Keanu Reeves does not have to say yes. Keanu Reeves, I guarantee you, is not making anywhere near Keanu Reeves money right? for doing this. And he genuinely seemed happy to do that, like, announcement with Alex. Yeah. Like, he seemed pleased to say yeah. Bill and Ted 3 is coming to people. And I think that that's, um, that's the biggest sign for me is that if he's signed on when he doesn't need to, he doesn't need the money, no one else has... Even if they have careers, it is not careers like he has. He is the one that's the hard get and getting him to be a part of it, but not only a part of it, but excited about it and excited to release the news and stuff. That's my the thing that gives me the most hope. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. He's like, I'm going to be John Wick for the rest of my life. But occasionally I will also <laughs> be yeah. Ted, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So what about what about ranking? Oh, this is going to be a tough one for this movie. Oh, yeah. Not for me. Good. It's gonna be tough. Um, I think I'm uh I'm at eight, which is suggesting I would watch Dangerous Liaisons before this. <laughs> Look at you go. Um I am also gonna pop this at number eight. That feels like a good spot for it, actually. Or no, what is this? The first row is our names. So actually it's number yeah. Um oh, yeah. see numbers three, are hard. Three all off. That's crazy. I would put this uh, between River's Edge and Youngblood for me. Mm -hmm. So at the number seven spot, it's fine. <laughs> I feel bad for putting Tune In Tomorrow down there because it's now going to be, it's going to be easily knocked out of the list. I figured it would hang in the top 10 for a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. I, I'm Damn putting it. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey between Tune In Tomorrow and I Love You to Death. All right. That feels fair. Yeah. That that's number that's number nine for me, nine out of fifteen. Oof, yeah, what a fall for Whitney and I between these two mm -hmm. films. Oh mm -hmm. my god! All right, all right. It has been logged. No one recommends this film. So <laughs> sometimes we get these ones with Keanu. You know, it's just the way yep. it's gonna be. Peaks and valleys. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> We have a, a small bonus episode that we're going to do, something that Keanu starred in that's uh, about five minutes long, and then we're going to discuss that and release it. But next week, I will be leading the discussion of a movie called My Own Private Idaho. Mm -hmm. Has anyone seen this? Uh, I don't think so. I do not think that I have. In my research, this could be the movie where Keanu rides his first motorcycle. <laughs> How much research was done to determine this? Uh it was in that GQ article. Oh, okay. So you just read the article again. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
I know from my film school days that this is a very well-regarded movie. My own private Idaho has a very good reputation with film nerds, with critics, with whatever. So it's something that I've definitely heard a lot about. It's, I think, one of the big... Um, it's River Phoenix, right? Yes. It's one of his big... It's like Heath Ledger is the Joker right before he died. I think oh. My Private Idaho. Like, River Phoenix did a bunch of other stuff, but this was his sort of, like, you know, big performance that everyone was talking about. And I think it was not too long after this that he died. I'm not... have no idea if that's true or not. I know hmm. that he and Keanu were friends for a long time, but I think they were actually friends before they start in a movie together. Interesting. So I, I am looking very forward to it. I'm excited about it because I know that it's considered to be a good movie. I don't know anything about it, but um, I have not seen it. So, yeah, I have not seen it. I have not seen it either. I know that this is one of the not super early, but early ish films of Gus Van Sant. Is that mm -hmm. uh, so? We know him from uh, Goodwill Hunting, obviously, yeah. and oh, then wow. things like Finding Forrester, and he's he's done like a bunch of really interesting, cool projects. Like he doesn't do a lot, but the things that he has done, I think he did that movie, um, Milk about Harvey Milk, also, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was another incredible film. But he goes long spurts between like not doing anything and then like punching you with something awesome. So that's exciting, yeah. to say the least. Great directors can can do a lot. All right. So let's, oh, man, I guess bring it in for a landing. I have nothing mm -hmm. else. So Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, the one thing I wanted to mention that I really liked about this movie, just real cool. Remember when he possessed his dad and his dad yeah. did the air guitar and it was like a 12-string? That was uh -huh. great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, like Classical uh, guitar. I just end on a high note. That's all I wanted to try to do. So. <laughs> like it. I like it. <laughs> you can find our website at coolbreezepod.com and access all of our episodes, the list of films we'll be reviewing, and much more. You can also reach out to us by emailing coolbreezepod at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. If you think this is a podcast you can get behind, please give us a subscription on your preferred platform. And that contest for the iTunes review for a sweet-ass John Wick poster will be going until end of day Thursday. So let's call it 12.01 Friday morning. So get them in, get that emailed. You can win. I don't know what your odds are. I'm assuming that they're probably pretty good. If I just as had to of, say. As of right now, they're very good. <laughs> as so, of recording. As you're, of recording. You're, you're in good shape right. to potentially win this poster. By the time this goes, you, who knows? But I know that we have people. I, I Look, I spy on you guys. I know. I see you in Australia. I see you in the Middle East. I see you in Poland. Write a review. We love you. Thank you for subscribing. <laughs> sorry for spying also. We'll be back next week. <laughs> but until then, Whitney, where can we keep up with you on the internet? Follow me on Twitter at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. -E and you can see all of my other podcasts and stuff that I do there. I've got Historical Hotties, which I believe this week, when this is coming out, we'll be talking about uh, baseball players. We have uh, the, we'll be comparing the two hottest baseball players. The Lindsay brought one and I brought one, and it's a very good episode. Considering neither of us is super into sports, um, it's two incredibly fascinating and influential people. Um, so Historical Hotties, check that out. 
I've also got Almost Better Than Silence, which is a video game podcast. I've got um, Myth Takes, which is a real play RPG podcast. But you can see me retweet all of those things and, and link to all of those things in my Twitter account. So that's probably the best way as a as a resource for Whitney. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Whitney, I'm going to lean on you when that John Wick game comes out uh mm-hmm. to 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 play and, and review I am that very excited to do that <laughs> it looks interesting uh but we'll see we'll see i'll have to hit up the video game company and see if i can get like a press copy yeah Ooh, it should be fine that'd be sweet yeah, yeah flex the muscle you could do yeah. it i'm on a video game podcast and a keanu reeves podcast please send me this game so i can talk about it's... it on both Right. It's the perfect marriage. What do they call Hello? that? That's synergy, right? Synergy. <laughs> it's bigger than yes. all of us. Yes. Buzzword. Buzzword, buzzword. Speaking of buzzwords, Evan, tell uh, me all of the things where we can put in your name to find you. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the first one's probably Google. <laughs> put my name in there and find me. Uh, or at least other Evans. Um. I exist on Instagram at Evan Acri. Um, if you're especially cunning, you can find my secret Instagram handle there as well. Uh, also at Evan Acri on Twitter and um, an app called Untapped. Uh, and that should cover it. Okay. So I just, I put you in the Google here real quick, because I was just curious. So if oh, you type man. Evan Wells, Whitney, this is pertinent to you and I, you yeah. actually, he's the president of Naughty Dog. So he's made games like Jack and Daxter and The Last of Us and Uncharted. Mm-hmm. So his mm-hmm. name's Evan mm-hmm. Wells also. Mm-hmm. So that is he, me. He, <laughs> that is, oh, we, we better be getting some review copies, goddammit. And you liked, yeah, work on it. You liked uh, Crew Power Hour on SoundCloud. <laughs> uh, I created that Power Hour for there my wedding reception. So well, it's, a little, it's a little biased. Yeah. If you type Evan A. Cree Wells into Google. That, then that's we get, what I did. That's yes. what I'm looking there at. There we go. Then we get you. So that's, it's also all good. Also, vi- a video by you, Andrew, on Vimeo has <laughs> Evan's uh, name in it. Uh-oh. Connected. Oh, snap. What? We'll link it in the show notes. No, <laughs> I don't know. So weird. Okay. <laughs> Apparently you can find me by searching for Evan on Google. And, <laughs> and I also happen to be at Dark Driving on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Those are my three top most active things there. So please do uh, search me out there. Say hello. Thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. <laughs>